Well, good morning, friends. It is a Monday morning. This is podcast number 517. Uh, grab your Bibles, grab your notepads. We'll turn to the book of Revelation. Um, we're, kind of, we're winding up the seven churches here. And then I think tomorrow we'll review um, the seven churches. I want to kind of uh, get it down within us um, so that we we have a little bit of an understanding of the seven churches, and then we'll get into chapter four of Revelation. But let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes and enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your Holy Spirit to apply the truths we learn to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's look at our memory verse, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, and I pray this over you, God's blessing on you. Uh, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. (coughs) Excuse me, turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're finishing up the churches. Um, the church at Laodicea, remember, was the church of compromise, the church of conceit, and the church um, that was really Christless. It was all really self-sufficient. And yet Jesus says to them, repent, zealously repent. And then he says in verse 20, I'm standing at the door and knocking, not in an evangelistic knock, but in a relationship knock where he knocks and in 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 asks to come in where he can have fellowship with the church of Laodicea. So let's look at verses 21 and 22 as we finish up uh, chapter 3. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I have also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He is our ultimate example, right? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Quickly go over to Revelation chapter 12. Scripture that just came to mind as I was preparing this. Uh, Chapter 12 and verse 11. (coughs) Excuse me. And they have conquered him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they... Love not their lives even unto death. Uh, This is a beautiful um, promise that, that if we don't love our lives more than we love our lives in Christ, that we're going to be overcomers. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus has done, the finished work of Christ, and also by the testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives individually. So the finished work of Christ he did for the whole world, even though we know the whole world will not accept him, but many will. And then the individual work, so not just corporately, but individually, that he's done in your life and in mine. And our testimony needs to remain true. And our trust needs to be to remain true. And what he talks about here is to the one who overcomes. And overcoming is through faithfulness and obedience. It's not through just church attendance or tithing or, or um, sacrificing or serving. It's through faithfulness and obedience. And that obedience is to the word of God. 
And uh, that's why many people uh, don't really want to get into the Word of God because they're afraid. And I've heard this multiple occasions. I'm afraid I'm going to find that God wants more of me than I want to give him. And and that is a uh, a general trust issue. And it's, a, it's an issue that says, I don't really trust that he has my best interest at heart or that I really have a plan for my life. And, and I want to do what I want to do. <clears throat> and I present that to the Lord and say, okay, God, here's my, here's my plan, my two-year plan, my five-year plan, my goal for my life. And would you bless it rather than saying, God, what is the plan that you have for my life? Look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. <clears throat> David to <clears throat> the end of his reign. And... Uh, and God is just promising uh, this Davidic uh, covenant with him that his kingdom will last forever. He says in chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, verse 12, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you and who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house from my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now look at verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established and for uh, forever. And when the ultimate fulfillment of this, I believe, will be in the millennial reign of Christ. I believe this is the thousand-year reign of Christ that will happen. We know after the tribulation, after the second coming, we have this thousand-year reign of Christ where I believe um, the ultimate fulfillment for uh, the Jewish nation is they'll be the, the, the nation that everyone comes to. They'll be the one that's exalted. And uh, Jesus will be sitting on his throne. And the Bible talks about us ultimately then as believers in Christ, ruling and reigning with him. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Now, I, I know that, that I talked about two different things there. I talk about the millennial reign of Christ and the fact that um, um, David's kingdom will be set up and it will uh, um, be established finally. And also that the Christians, the church, will rule and reign with Christ. Look at um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. There is, there is uh, this appeal to us to, to stay faithful and, and to live faithful lives for him. He says, I'm going to grant you this uh, opportunity to rule and reign with me. And what will that require on your part to remain faithful? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 25. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The reign of Christ guarantees for the faithful, the overcomer, the obedient, 
that we will rule and reign with him as he was faithful and then sat down at his father's right hand on the throne of God. We will be faithful and we will sit down and rule and reign with him as well. Now turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Let's look at a few verses in Revelation now. Verse 10, talking about uh, believers, and you have made them, Christ, a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Where is coming a time where the faithful, the faithful who have been made uh, a kingdom of priests will rule with him on this earth. And by the way, that should not be the ultimate goal of the Christian to rule and to reign. It should be the benefit to the Christian who overcomes that he will rule and reign with Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him. How long? For a thousand years. There's the millennial reign. But it says we are blessed not just because we get to rule and reign with him. We're blessed because we're subject only to the first resurrection, not the second. What does that mean? The second resurrection is the resurrection um, of the dead and they will be judged. And the second death means eternal separation from God. So we want to be in that first resurrection, and we do that by remaining faithful to him. Look at Revelation 22 and verse 5. It says, And the night will be no more, there will be no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they, you and I, believers, will reign forever and ever. We get to spend eternity with God. And in that, we're not going to be sitting on clouds, playing harps. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. We will have things to do, jobs to do, purposes in heaven. It will not be boring. We know that because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. And he had a vision of what heaven would be like. And from that point, he had this desire to go to that place. If that was going to be boring, he wouldn't want to leave this earth. If that was going to be something to dread, um, he wouldn't want to leave this earth. But he wanted, he desired to go there, but he wanted to stay uh, for you and I because it was best for you and I. That's true servant leadership. That he had a glimpse of what heaven would look like. The beauty and the majesty and all of it. And yet he chose to stay here as if God gave him a choice. Second Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why is this important? Because all scripture means all the prophetic scripture as well. All that is promised for you and I, all that is promised for the believers, uh, and we need to trust it. So many people want to run away and say, oh, I, you know, you know, prophecy, I just want to stay away from that. And I did the same thing, by the way. 
but I can't do that anymore. And you and I can't do that. We have to trust all scripture. We will not understand all of the scripture this side of heaven. Trust me. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be reading it. And Revelation 1.3 says we should be hearing it. We should be reading it aloud and we should be obedient to it. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. These last couple portions of scripture, 2 Timothy 3, should be placed in our minds. We should be memorizing it. And this one in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this, this is 2 Peter 1, verse 20. First of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Be all that Bible's man written. It was inspired by God. Men wrote as they were inspired by God. For verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Carried along by the Holy Spirit is so imperative. It's so that we understand because the Holy Spirit is really the key. When Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 5. We don't just live by words on a page. The words on the page are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And and that uh, Holy Spirit uh, uh, buries them deep within our heart and brings to mind what they mean as we study them. Look at Acts chapter 5. Who is this Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie, underline, to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it then that you have contrived this deed in your hearts? Listen to this, underline it. You have not lied to man, but to God. Go back to verse three. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse four, it says who that Holy Spirit is. You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God, the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Look at John chapter 15, Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, (coughs) who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. And yet in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. What is he saying? We are one. God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus again talking about the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth, Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, not it, not some force. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but will uh, whatever, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. There's the prophetic that we need to understand. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is important. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said to you, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What do we see there? We see the Trinity in action. The Holy Spirit, the helper, is going to come alongside and he's going to lead you into all truth. Who's that truth? I am that truth. And everything that the Father has is mine and everything that I have is the Father's. We are a triunity 
tri, meaning three in one, unified, doing the purpose of God. John chapter 10, and we're going to uh, bring this to a conclusion. John chapter 10, verse 35. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. So what this scripture talks about is that um, is that how the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus is teaching here on the Trinity, starting with verse 22, and he goes down through, and right in the middle he says, and scripture cannot be broken. That's the key in that portion, that scripture cannot be broken. Every Christian is therefore called to hear the word of God and to obey it. We are called to hear the word of God and to obey it. Why is it essential that we're in church? So that we can hear the word of God. And then we walk outside the doors of that building and we put that scripture into practice as we walk out our lives in front of people. If you're not in a Bible-believing church, you need to find a Bible-believing church. We have allowed COVID and other things or, or hurts to keep us from where we're supposed to be. And that is the enemy that is trying to keep you away from the church. You need to be in church. You need to be in a Bible believing and teaching church. And you need to be reading the Bible on your own. You don't just eat one meal a day. You don't just eat one day a week. If that's necessary for the physical man, how much more necessary it is for the spiritual man. Feed yourself. Don't sit with the Bible on your shelf. Have an open Bible on your table, on your desk, by your bedside, and be reading the scripture and feeding yourself. Because if you do not feed yourself, you will starve to death spiritually. Don't allow that to happen because that's what the enemy wants. You need to know what you believe in. You need to know why you believe in. And how do you do that? You hear the word of God taught, preached. Um, you, you worship together with other believers. You grow together by the challenges that are in this world that Jesus said would happen. He said in John 16, 33, uh, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus would get away often and pray to his father and talk to his father. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in the word. We need to take responsibility. Listen, we need to take personal responsibility for our own growth. You're doing that today by listening to a podcast. Please don't listen to just this podcast. Listen to your pastor's preaching. Listen to go over the message. Most churches now record their Sunday messages so you can listen to it again and again because you're not going to get everything in one setting. So stay in the word of God. Tomorrow, we will begin to review these seven churches before we move on because I really want us to get uh, uh, a grasp of what we've just looked at over the last few weeks. Let me pray for us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.